Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, president of Westminster Effects. You can go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. You can join the group for the discussion on the Facebook, 300 strong at this point. It's the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. Uh, make sure you subscribe and comment. And I know I said that we would do the drawing for the Knox version two this week, but we're going to push that off to next week since I had all of the insanity over the last week with my printer crapping out and all that. But thanks to everybody who uh, supported and bought stuff with the coupon code. That is greatly appreciated. Anyway. We'll get on with it. I mean, of course, um, you'll never be able to get your stuff because your printer's broken. Right. Oh, no, awesome. but, no. Uh, ben, ben Horton is uh, covering me while I get the new one set up. Wonderful. So, so shout out to Ben. He printed my stuff for a while. And then he hit me up when he when he saw that things had gone awry. And he's like, <laughs> just let me know, man. We'll make it happen. So uh, you, what, who you do not hear today is the right Reverend Bradley Cox. He's in the mountains today on vacation. Lucky, mm. but settled, sort of settled into sort his new house. 70% we'll call it. Yeah. yeah. Via the internet. We have. Oh, hey everybody. John Ross here. Westminster effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, sexy Admiral from Lincoln, Nebraska. In uh, in my new home, just uh, about three miles east of uh, of where we used to live, uh, yeah, starting to get starting to get settled. There you go, and you got these. N- nobody will see it, but you got no. these nice shelves behind you, yeah, and some mood my, lighting, and you know, considering I spend about three to four hours a day on uh, on Zoom calls, I figured I'd make the background look like profesh, you know, yeah, uh, rather than like a closet or something like. People think like, oh, I'll just put the virtual background on and people won't know what, what's behind me. But that looks worse. They, they know. We know what's behind you. Like, yeah. Like there's a there's a guy I meet with regularly. It's, I mean, the virtual backdrop, it's pretty cool. Doesn't use a green screen. So when he moves, he's like, hold on. That's a laundry room. And like, if, if that's where you got to work, <laughs> that's where you got to work. It's, it, you know, that, that's yeah, right. but that does not sound like a good time. Right. But it's, you know, as, as often as I'm on calls and as like unexpected as they are, um, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we're blessed in this house to have kind of enough room, uh, for, for all of the activities, including, mm. the, uh, you know, kind of a private office, uh, for me, since I work from home, uh, with my actual non-churchy job. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, definitely a, a big blessing to this process, but I have missed the show. I've missed the, uh, the interactions in the lounge with the listeners, and uh, I've missed you and Bradley. Uh, gosh darn it! And so I'm uh, I'm happy to be back. I I would say we're glad to have you back, but Bradley's not here, so right. I am glad to have you back well, on the show. <laughs> so let's not make it so long next time between John Ross appearances. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so our main topic today, you know, normally we start the Inquisition with Brian Morris, uh, but this week he gets the main topic. He asked a really good question, I thought, uh, regarding Christians listening to music. And I would say listening to music for entertainment or background noise. Uh, sure. You know, uh, everybody knows I do not listen to worship music on the regular because you're you know, even right. Because obviously, I am a pagan who, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, I, I don't typically enjoy that style of music. I normally listen to more aggressive music, punk, hardcore, metal, etc. Uh, while at the same time, understanding that when you listen to certain genres with certain amounts of aggression, you end up with certain themes, right? True. Uh, so Brian's question is what value of any can the Christian find in listening to music that is liter- lyrically in complete opposition to the Christian faith? He gives examples such as the wonder years, fantastic, sad boy, pop punk band from New Jersey, mm-hmm. because 
every band from New Jersey hates themselves and include, and most of them from New York as well. Um, so he includes uh, the Wonder Years, Madeline, or their other song, I Won't Say the Lord's Prayer, little on the nose, uh, <laughs> Set Your Goals, and their uh, song, An Old Book Misread, um, and I'll tack on everything that Senses Fail has ever done. And uh, he said, I guess you could say songs like Imagine, but let's not talk about Imagine because Imagine sucks. And that's true. That's just true. Imagine is a, cra- is a trash song. Now, I mean, I, I'm not terribly familiar with with uh, the catalog of the of the bands that that you listed. Now, when you say Imagine, you don't mean like John Lennon's Imagine. I mean, yes. I, oh, you do. Good, good, good. I don't like that. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Same page. Fantastic. Yeah. I, you know, I just right. wanted to make sure. Yes. All right. So he closes out saying, "I used to tell myself that they provide a sobering reminder of how lost those without Christ are, and that this helps us to see that the world around us believes." what the world around us believes about Jesus. But now I'm questioning that. So uh, let me pull up since I'll pull up the first one from the wonder years. So this is Madeline and the bridge just gets right to it. Quote, I don't think there's a God. I don't think that there's someone coming to save us. And I don't think that's the worst news of the day. Mm. Um. Their other song, I Won't Say the Lord's Prayer. These billboards that flaunt these scare tactics make me think that you're only good if you're afraid of being punished. Every single Sunday, church bells wake me up, but it's never enough to pull me out of bed. The church on Main Street has got its doors painted red, and I guess it's so the angel of death passes over it on its way to get gas. (laughs) (laughs) The church over on Broad Street has got a neon sign that says, Jesus, save me. And I guess it's so God can see from where he is in the cheap seats. I refuse to spend life on my knees and I won't let somebody else make my decisions uh, for me. If we're all just Christians or lions, then I think I'd rather be on the side with sharper teeth. I don't need saving. (laughs) Well, he's wrong. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's that's the end of the show. Song. Go uh, go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. We'll see you next week. If only. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that those those lyrics, uh, you know, song or or even or even you know, is a form of poetry are incredibly incredibly deep and in, in almost visual to a sense where. Uh, you can almost, oh, what's the word I want to look for? His anxiety, maybe not anxiety, opposition, I'm not sure, one of those, some sort of negative negative term uh, to the church is-, is Lots of negative terms. Tangible, right? Yeah. Um, and the song almost leaves you wondering, what happened? Right? Yeah. Like what happened to you? Like what was the what was the motivation? Because you know, because this this doesn't seem to be a, a song just written out of nowhere, right? It's not fluff. Like this this piece has meaning. This is uh, this is not your typical sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of song, right? Right, and and I think that those those themes also are are worthy of discussion. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the question isn't it does this have m- does this have merit as somebody somebody else's creative work? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think any of us would would say just because he's wrong doesn't mean that you know what he's expressing isn't isn't for him a very real feeling. Uh, the the real core of the question though is what if that song's an absolute bop, right? Like it's a mm-hmm. jam. And, uh, and like it's an earworm, it gets stuck with you. Is that what a a Christian needs to have, kind of ringing in their ears all day long? Mm-hmm. Like, I think is is the core of the question. Like we don't want to, you know, we don't want to critique it from from a musical or lyrical standpoint, as if we're critiquing art. I mean, really. The, the topic here is whether a Christian 
should be comfortable, mm-hmm. active, uh, supportive of having these songs effectively be part of the soundtrack of, of your day to day. Yeah. I, and, you know, since we always want to uh, root everything in, in the truth of scripture, I go to Philippians 4. Uh, starting oh, in verse sure. four, I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. A, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go run a marathon. Let's do so, it. So I, I can, I can listen. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I can listen to the Wonder Years or what have you. <laughs> there is a youth group somewhere who just heard that message. I'm just saying what you yeah. just said. Like that was. Absolutely. Anyways, continue. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So, I mean, he kind of, and a lot of the theme of Philippians is joy in God while he's writing from prison, right? Um, If it should, whatever we listen to should lead us to rejoicing, Sure. Right. Uh, it should lead us to not feeling anxious. I mean, he just outright says, don't be anxious about anything. Somebody needs to hear that. Uh, but with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right. And guard your hearts and dwell. I think that's what he, he really means in, in verse eight is a dwell about whatever's true, honorable, pure, just, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Mm. Right. I don't think that necessarily is a is a condemnation of listening to music that on its face is not God glorifying, right? Mm-hmm. Because any any song written by any non-believer ever is not God glorifying mm. on its face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, before somebody says, well, you're not for cover songs in church. Well, no, I'm not. We're not talking about the Lord's Day gathering of the saints. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking about our own personal uh, time to listen to things. And is it possible to be edified by a negative example of someone? And I would think so. And, and, and I would, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think the hesitation that I have is... I, I would sure hate it to be a situation that would be, well, at least I'm not like that guy. Right. You know, like, I think, I think Brian's kind of, uh, implication that we can, we can learn and and glean something of, uh, of how the non-regenerate, uh, kind of view the church. Mm-hmm. view scripture view gospel you know, view that even the person and work of christ i think we can glean some of those perspective pieces uh from those but i mean geez we we don't want to be in a situation where we justify listening to something it's like you know i'm going to listen to this this horrible song because uh it reminds me of like that I'm not that person anymore. I don't know. I don't know if I can make the logical leap there. Mm-hmm. In, my, in, my I, head, in my head, I keep going back to um, some of my uh, kind of rhetorical and communicative theory background. And there was a researcher, uh, Herbert Gerbner, uh, came up with a theory called the cultivation theory. Now, this was specific uh, to violence in television, but it's been applied to uh, musical content and uh, and you know forbid video games uh but there there is there is merit here and i and i've actually used this theory uh to talk about the uh uh, 
uh, in, in a thesis that, I, that I've written in uh, many moons ago uh, of, of the importance of aesthetics in worship. But uh, effectively, what you consume plants a seed, effectively. And the more seeds that are planted, the higher the odds that something will be cultivated from that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's the that's the Cliff Notes version. But effectively, if you watch nothing but but violent television, you know perhaps there'll be some desensitization there. Your your norms will begin to change. I mean, obviously, if if you just watch uh, a marathon of the Blade trilogy or something, I mean, you're not going to go you know, start killing pasty white people like that. <laughs> that's that's not the logical end here, but. Uh, what it amounts to is that what we consume does have an impact on our perspective and what we consider to be our behavioral and, and social and, and social norms. Uh, and, and I wonder if we could apply that uh, to some of this music that may not have, or that, that doesn't, uh, have healthier or even generic themes, you know, perhaps we can jump into, uh, you know, a, a listening session, so to speak of, uh, of a band that's really, I mean, there, there's bands that, that I 100%, st- you know, steer clear of, um, personally, and some it's, it's musical taste, some mm-hmm. it's, it's content. Um, like I have never once intentionally listened to a Slipknot song. Because the whole like get up of, of the band makes me viscerally uncomfortable. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I and I get and I'm I'm not a Slipknot fan by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and yeah, I would I would say to some extent that's true of me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe not as much with like a Swedish death metal band or something like that. <laughs> Uh, even though that's also meant to make you feel uncomfortable. And, and of course, like with, with Swedish, some of the S- Scandinavian bands, you're talking about significantly more uh, violent and blasphemous than we're talking about here. Like sure. there, there's, there's a lot of stuff over there that I will not, uh, I will not touch, uh, you know, stuff like um, behemoth. Mm. Is, they, they might be the most blasphemous band on the planet. Uh, there, there are situations where, um, I mean, granted in, in those, in those cases, I, I, I tend to naturally gravitate more towards the ones that have, uh, a little more of a, of a fantastical, uh, sort of optimistic theme, like, like Nightwish, for instance, you know, they're, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Know, Nightwish can get pretty heavy. Um, but it's more, uh, you know, it's more wizards and dragons painted on the side of a van instead of yeah, it's uh, crucifixes upside down. More, more along the lines of power metal themes, right, and right, yeah, and, and that's that's more my stick, anyways. And uh, but I think there is something to be considered of of when it's theater or when it's because you can tell if something's theater or if it's a reflection of of somebody. You know, like right. You know, if one of my favorite things, I watch it, you know, probably about once a year just because I forget uh, about it. But um, D. Schneider from Twisted Sister, his uh, um, uh, his statement at the uh, uh, parents media uh, thing when they were doing the ratings, you know, the rating system yep. and the yep. explicit content. D. Schneider's, uh, you know, comments on uh and rebuttals to the content of like uh, twi- uh we're not going to take it and things like that it, you know it's obviously that that the whole twisted sister thing was was a performance right it like um outside of that you know he was a guy with long hair wore denim and and really took care of and takes care of his family and, and those he loves from what i can tell mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a d schneider uh, historian <laughs> Uh, since the word, but uh, but I think he's pretty cool if you ask me. Uh, but uh, you know, I that's that's my concern. Is that yes? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I I really enjoy like Iron Maiden, Green Day, um, that that early to mid '90s uh, punk and pop punk, and uh, and a lot of that is not. I mean, even even the content. 
and apologize, my loud cat in the background, if that's coming through the microphone. I'm a, <laughs> hey, my dogs went ballistic last week. I'm so. just about ready to put it in a meat grinder. I, uh, <laughs> uh, new house, cats are basement only. Well, conveniently, I'm basement only, too. Um, but... Uh, like the thing is, is that obviously, like even in in Green Day's arguably their most popular popular uh, song, uh, "Basket Case," I mean, even in that one, it's just a bunch of nonsense strung together, and it's not sacrilegious or blasphemous, but it's it's I mean, it's not like it's not conducive to uh, really even a healthy vocabulary, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> like. Where where is the crest of that slippery slope, right? Because it has to exist, and and that's the piece that I can't put a nail on. Like, I think that we can consume media of any type. Um, you know, all things are uh, all things are are uh, permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial, right? I think that logic can be applied here, and, and that we can use discernment flowing out of sanctification to make healthy choices for ourselves and our, in our families. And, and that includes consuming media, whether it be uh, movies or music that perhaps uh, is antithetical to the gospel. Uh, in the I think sense, the word is antithetical that you're looking for. <laughs> you. I was, you're so well. com- I was so confident with that. Dang it. <laughs> You know, 60% of the listener base would have just been like, good word, John, and just gone right over. No, no, you had to point it out. No, it because been, I expect more of our listenership than you would do. Have been, it would have been you and Matthew Winter. Be like, it's not press that way. <laughs> hey, hey, John. Yeah, and, and with, you, with, with your current line of thinking, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of Ecclesiastes uh, uh, 3, uh, for everything there's a season. Right. Mm-hmm. Time to be born and time to die, time to kill, time to heal, weep, laugh, mourn, dance. Right. So not all of our music should be happy, clappy, uh, feel good, cotton candy. Uh, there is there is at least room for cathartic, guttural, uh, angst ridden. Sure. Like, hey, this thing sucks. Uh, kind of kind of music and you even see that in the psalms sure yeah Uh, obviously it doesn't cross the line into uh blasphemy or anything like that um like i've i've got uh some census fail lyrics pulled up from their song the rapture uh you'll you'll get a kick out of this one being lutheran but you know it (laughs) the capstone of the song is i won't kneel at your altar now that i know it's a table for a magic show Mm. Uh, like, but Buddy Nielsen just outright hates God, right? Yeah. Uh, but but there's a difference between that, I think. And are you are you familiar with the song "Jesus Christ" by Brand New? I know Brand New. I don't. See, yeah. Think, I don't think I probably would have listened to that song. Right. So, but the thing with Brand New is, you know, everybody kind of labels them if if they know early Brand New as like the typical emo band. Right. Yeah, that's that. That'd be my right. So as they got on, uh, I think it was their 2006 album, uh, and it's called "The Devil and God Are Raging Inside Me." Mm-hmm. Is the album, and you talk about angsty, <laughs> you talk about anxiety riddled. Um, so this song, Jesus Christ. Uh, here's here's the final several lines. I know you're coming in the night like a thief, but I've had some time alone to hone my lying technique. I know you think that I'm someone you can trust, but I'm scared. I'll get scared, and I swear I'll try to nail you back up. So do you think that we could work out a sign so I'll know it's you and that it's over so I won't even try? I know you're coming for people like me. We all got wood and nails. We turn out hate in factories. Like, I, I see a, a huge difference between those two songs and even right. the, earlier, the earlier songs where where you know who hasn't doubted his salvation at some point sure and i don't know jesse lacy's eternal state or anything right. like that right. um but you know growing up in america maybe with some kind of christian background um like you can hear that song and feel 
what he's what he's singing mm-hmm. uh, wh- whether you agree with his conclusion or not and you know maybe maybe lyrics like that are more worth more listening to and and wrestling with just mm-hmm. so we can get our heads around what some other people are thinking at the moment yeah i mean and and that that begs the question is like is the only allowance for listening or, or consuming this this sort of music or media is the only allowance from an academic perspective then mm. or, or can we do it from an art so yeah, right this right. is a lot more of a simple example but uh i mean i i still i still enjoy it in in general and no i didn't really care for hamilton but i used to be a big musical theater guy um mm-hmm. I mean, I've always been a big guy, but there was a time that I was a big <laughs> theater guy too. Uh, mostly, it's on- like that Mitch Hedberg joke of yeah, "I used right. to do drugs, I still, I still do, do, but, but I, I used, used to too." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I miss that guy. Uh, but, anyways, I, I used to be very involved with uh, with musical theater, mostly from the production uh, and and technical sides of the house. Um, but one of my favorite shows of all time is is Jekyll and Hyde, the Gothic music thriller. Um, it's a it's it's a musical. Um, it's actually made made popular uh, in 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 most circles by David Hasselhoff. Uh, played uh, played Jekyll oh. and Hyde and and did a fantastic job of it. Might I add? A lot of I people, shall not hassle the Hoff. Yeah, a lot of people rag on on uh, on him because of the whole Baywatch thing, and he's just kind of a larger than life sort of personality, but. Uh, he is a talented vocalist and, uh, and, and his, his mannerisms suit him well for musical theater, but that's enough defending David Hasselhoff. Um, <laughs> but anyways, there is my favorite song. My favorite musical number in, in all of Jekyll and Hyde is one called confrontation. And it's where Jekyll is, uh, really at the, uh, at, at kind of the paramount of his struggle between himself and then his alter ego Hyde, which due to an elixir that he made is the 100% epitome of e- of all of the evil within him. Right. And so that's, that's Jekyll. That's the whole Jekyll and Hyde uh, shtick. And there's this part where he's flipping back and forth. And it's a really cool thing to, um, to kind of highlight from a lighting perspective, which was, which was my initial interest in it. But there's a line and it unfortunately happens at probably the most be- beautiful and powerful musical moment of the piece. And it's Hyde, uh, you know, in, in singing with this very guttural uh, voice. And it's like, I'll live inside you forever with Satan himself by my side. And it's it's almost sung in intention with me. Like the, the lyrics are so, so dark and depressing from the perspective of Jekyll, but the music is so triumphant. This is like Carmen's alter ego, right? It's it's you know there's this piece there. It's like, and it almost makes you want to see you know. And I live inside you forever with Satan himself by my side. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to sing that. Like I don't want to sing that. But you, you know oh, what you need. Darn it, if it isn't a great tune. You know what, what you need is that you need a righteous invasion of truth with Carmen. <laughs> I miss what, is he still around what's that guy up to no I think he died what yeah I think so oh you know I seem to remember that too googling here yeah he died uh, February 2021 no yeah he oh. had he died due to what was it complications with surgery well so yeah, my understanding is that he had been in kind of poor health for a while, but yeah. Anyway, what a shame. Anyway, I think I think this is one of those topics ultimately where we have a crap load of gray area. You know, yeah. It's it's kind of hard to say one way for another. It might be it might be absolutely wrong for someone who maybe maybe they're struggling with their faith. It might be wrong for someone to listen to Jesus Christ by brand new sure, or, or what have you. It, it may be wrong for everyone to listen to certain songs. Right. Or just as it may be, maybe, maybe wrong or, or at the very least unhelpful or detrimental to a brand new Christian, right? Someone very young in the faith pun, not intended. Yeah, right. Since we were just talking about brand new. Thank you. 
uh, someone very young in the faith uh, watching, I don't know, uh, like uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Godspell, and getting getting their knowledge of Christ from from there. You know, yeah. I think I, you know, I think you are right in that in different seasons of life, although I don't particularly care for that word, it, it does it does work. Um, that and different maturity levels with within our faith uh, by the grace of God, I, I think that does alter uh, or or change what we can be healthily exposed to. I mean, think of think of Paul's discourse on the meat sacrifice to idols. Right. Yep. Now, yep. you know, Paul's assertion there is that it's just meat. Eat it. But if it's going to cause your neighbor to stumble, then then then, then hold off. Right. Have yep. a, you know, get get it get it to go. Um, get it to go. <laughs> like put it in a doggy bag. You know, in, in a box. Like, like if we are of the maturity level where we can. Where you know we can crank up whatever and just go to town with it and just enjoy it from a musical perspective, right? Because music is is absolutely uh, uh, the the way music works. What sounds pleasing to our ears is absolutely a construction uh, of the Most High, and and we can we can enjoy mm-hmm. very very diverse uh, expressions of that. However, if uh, if you pick up your friend who uh, you know, to to go out to lunch or something, who may have been struggling with something or uh, just isn't mature in the faith, doesn't doesn't hasn't developed that level of discernment. You know, perhaps it's best to you know switch gears a little bit, play something a little more a little more tame. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it's it's really the same thing. It's like, yeah, I love Green Day, but I don't let my kids listen to it, right? Right. Like, I mean, I don't let them listen to Kids Bop either, and neither should you. Um, but you know, they're, but my, my kids, you know, I, it's a blessing. It's, it's a blessing and a frustration simultaneously, but they, they, uh, they latch on and they hang on my every word, Uh, unless I actually tell them to do something, then they just completely. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, my, my old, my daily driver truck, it's old 91 F one fifty. It's got subs in it because why not? And uh, uh, I was just like, man, I want to, I want to listen to some, I want to listen to some punks. So it was like, you know, Alexa, play, uh, uh, play All American Rejects or, or, or something. And Dirty Little Secret came on, and uh, I'm like, yeah. And then for the next week, all I heard was from Malachi, who's my seven year old. They've got like an Alexa kids in their room. And sorry if I'm triggering you with smart speakers. They were listening to you already, so. Um, Coming from his room was, I'll leave you my dirty secret. And like just for the entire week coming out of his room. And then, uh, you know, I, I got a new Echo Studio, you know, for the new house and the new in, in the living room because Kelly didn't want, you know, a big hi-fi system upstairs. And so I got an Echo Studio. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I want to really see how this sounds. So it was like, you know, you know, uh, uh, Alex uh, play the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the unaccompanied Bach cello suites. Because as as a former cellist, you know I, I I know those quite well, and uh, wouldn't you know it? Classical music's been in my house for the rest of the week. So you know, it, at not my mm-hmm. hand, the the kids just did it. Yeah, and and that that really for the majority of the listeners, I, I think I think that's that's the guidance is, you know, if you want to eat music or listen to music sacrificed to idols, uh, go right ahead. Do so through the lens of the gospel in a mature faith through the sanctification of the Spirit. But guard those around you and guard your own heart. And uh, if it may cause someone else to stumble, hold off. Take it to go. Let's move on to the Inquisition on that note. Let's do it. Now, this is the Inquisition where you ask us questions via weekly posts in the Westminster Effects Doxology podcast lounge, and we answer it on the fly. And John, I'm going to request different music because we're starting this inquisition with Charlie Brown's question. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, so, uh, I'll try to find something that won't get us a copyright strike. Uh, so we'll Yeah, something that's one note off. 
Fair. Uh, so he asks, how does disunity exist among among brothers with the same word and the same Holy Spirit? He's, he says, not top-tier doctrines, divinity of Christ, Trinity, stuff like that. But secondary things like eschatology, infant baptism, alcohol usage, young earth slash old earth. And he, sa- he says, I'm not talking about new believers, but ministers with PhDs and years behind the pulpit. And, and this is something we've talked about before, but it's worth talking about repeatedly sure uh, because it keeps coming up um so john do we agree on the doctrine of baptism we do not agree on the doctrine of baptism do we agree on eschatology it's what did you go post mill recently no i I've, I've always i've always floated with with eschatology i mean that's that's not a great question it's something right. i continue to explore and i don't uh, have a, a foundation there. I do know that you are an old earth creationist. Yes. I hold that extremely loosely. Yeah. Likewise. Like, I mean, really loosely. Yeah. And, and you locked up, but you're back now. Yeah. Uh, you locked up as well. So hold on. So, okay. you know, I, I know Cody that you're, you're uh, for the most part, an old earth creationist. And, uh, and I, I, tend- and I, and I hold that extremely loosely. Sure. And extremely loose and i was going to say that i i tend more recently uh to kind of lean that direction mm-hmm. um, and i had always been a young earth creationist because that's what i was taught in uh in that's what i was taught in church uh by the pastors of my childhood and and i don't have a problem with it you know i think i can i can make a uh you know make a reasonable case uh for a lot of the the fossil record and, and things like that that we see uh, through the lens of science um, in the context of a uh, of a young Earth creationist model, um, but at the same time, my son Micah is very uh, very interested in well many things, but dinosaurs are a big part of that, you know, as as any as any uh, most boys uh, are, mm-hmm. and uh, but he he he's gone hardcore into it, right? Like uh, puts puts Dino Dana to shame. Um, if uh, any of you kids out there know, know what's up there. And he, uh, you know, he asked me a lot of questions like, you know what, you know, there, it very well may, may be possible that, you know, that we have a, we have an old earth and, and that even though we see in scripture that the word yam is used and yam doesn't refer to just like some abstract period of time, it refers to a day, you know, uh, it, we could potentially allow for those those periods of of creativity to be longer in nature. You know, there are, there are allowances that that could be made there, and so I, you know, I maybe started to lean a little bit more that direction. Mm, interesting, um, but you know, even even with 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 baptism, and I and I will say that um, my consideration of of the doctrine of baptism. It hasn't necessarily changed, but I've been working through it a little bit since you know since we've started doing this program and, and you know our you know our our friendship and our conversations have, have you know grown deeper and yeah um, as you know as my one token uh, you know reformed friend um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and there the the difficult thing is I can absolutely buy that baptism is a is a work of the spirit that yes the parents in the case of infant baptism a parent brings the infant to baptism or the or the adult is is called by the gospel called by the spirit to the waters of baptism uh, to receive the washing of rebirth and new life i can make allowances for that but the the challenge for me is like it's not just the infant baptism piece. I mean, because we, we differ on what, like the entire doctrine of baptism, where is an outward sign of an inward change, right? Or mm-hmm. is it a means of grace in and of itself? Uh, with, yes. know, of course, of course, in the context <laughs> of, of the word being the actor in, in that case. I mean, so there's that piece there. And then there's the piece, which I don't think I, I could ever reasonably let that go. Um but no, like uh, uh, the but, reformed position by and large would agree with you, depending on who you ask. Sure, like, it, sure. it is a means of grace. It's 
it then becomes squidgy in the details of how it becomes a means right. of grace. And well, yeah. Well, what does the doing with the mechanics underneath the hood? Yeah. Yeah. So and so forth. But the, you know, the, the infant piece is there, there is limited and I, and I will, I will acknowledge this. There is limited evidence in scripture for that as, as, as a tradition, right? So the the infant baptism piece is largely inspired by church tradition, church the writings of church fathers, and some kind of adjacent texts uh, that emphasize uh, the the faith and, and vulnerability and, and trust uh, the uh, trustingness of a child. Uh, Peter's reference to whole families and uh, and really how. How you interpret that section of the Greek, which is which is certainly uh, beyond my uh, humble little bachelor's of arts, uh, to do so, uh, you know. But there, there's a lot more to chew on there and, and to wrestle with because I, especially with the Lutheran Church having such a long tradition, because frankly we steal a lot of the Catholic stuff too, um, you know, as long as it's not soteriology. Um, yeah, <laughs> being, being first generation, like the OG reformer, right? Right. right. And going to have a few more ties to it. Sure. And so I'm very sensitive to things that are done just because I have no problem with tradition, but I want to be able to explain it. I want to be able to understand oh, yeah. it instead of just saying, that's the way we've always done it. I mean, even in, even in modern, modern Christianity, the, the phrase, that's just how we've always done it. Is is probably one of the most detrimental phrases to be said in the church, right? And so, so to, I, I don't so, want that to be. But to the question itself, no, yes. we we don't agree on this stuff, um, right? But I am confident. I'm, I may not care, but I am confident that on the last day, he will raise up me and all the dead, including my brother Cody Fields. Yes, the new life and, in Christ. And, and, you know, at that point, you'll be full-blown reformed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get up there and like, oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> I am a Calvinist now. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, there's different levels of disunity. Um, there's uh, stuff over, obviously, the core doctrines. And then within the secondary doctrines, I think that ends up resulting in you probably need to be in different churches, right? Yeah. Uh, because because you, as a Lutheran, you're going to baptize some babies. Uh, that is a binary issue, just like gender. Mm-hmm. Um, you are, it. yeah, you're welcome. Um, either your church is willing to baptize babies brought by their parents, or you're not. Mm-hmm. There is no middle ground there. And so, like, our church at Resurrection here in Greer, we're not baptizing babies. We don't hold that against you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, but we're just, we're not going to do that. Whereas at Christ church in Lincoln, Nebraska, mm-hmm. you're going to do that. Uh, and, and, you know, eschatology gets into uh, a little, some more weeds, but I couldn't be a, a, a good member of a dispensational church because I don't buy that hermeneutic in the sure. first place. Um, you know, I could be, and you know, res were effectively functionally amillennial. I'm working on Bradley a little bit here and there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like there's uh, disagreements that can be closer to each other, like amillennial and postmillennial, mm-hmm. uh, dispensational and historic premill uh, typically go together pretty well, and then historic premill and amillennial go together pretty well. Right. In terms, in terms of Venn diagram of, yeah, in terms of, in terms of who can cooperate on certain mm-hmm. things within certain uh, contexts. Um, so like, I'm just not going to be a good fit at some, at a church where we're waiting around for the rapture and putting right. what I think would be an overemphasis on the nation state of Israel. Mm. So um I, I think it really just kind of depends. Yeah, you know, can can we do a little bit better in our online discussions about certain things? Yeah, absolutely. I th- but I think I'm look- goes- and I'm looking at you, Reformed Pub. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't really. Uh, I mean, anyone who's uh, who cares uh, uh, about my activity in the lounge, which is probably not many people, um, 
But I I go through spouts of uh, if I check Facebook too much, I delete it from my phone. Yeah, and I usually only reinstall it when I need to use Facebook Marketplace, and then it's on there for a while, and then I'll delete it again. Yep. Um, so I don't I don't really pay too much attention there. But the striking thing is like there's there's almost a healthier discourse on like some subreddits that I follow, like our true Christian and, and things like that. There's almost mm-hmm. healthier discourse there than there is uh, on on Facebook, which is which is interesting. But I, I think that. Um, you know, with with that piece, it's not so much the secondary doctrines that that draw in um, so much uh, so much tension. It's uh, it's individuals, and and by proxy, you know, their their congregations or or denominations that just aren't serious enough. Where where it just puts. Um, everything is like ah, whatever. Jesus, no creed yeah. in Christ. You know, yeah. like, where nothing else matters other than making you, you know, making you feel good, right? And making you feel good and getting you saved, and that's it, right? And like that's the uh, those are the folks that you see that get so bent out of shape when someone calls them, but you know, when calls them out on more uh, more structured or systematic theological points. Because uh, they, they, you know, they just can't play that level of ball. Um, mm, that's a really good point, uh, and, and that that makes a lot of interactions that we've both had over the years yeah. make a little more sense. Is it's they're they're irritated because you're you're pumping ninety five, and they've only ever hit off of guys throwing eighty two right their whole lives to right. use a baseball analogy, and um, you know eighty two is one thing, but. 95 you got to start your swing before he lets go of the ball <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> where you know they they haven't thought that deeply they haven't exercised those muscles but on top of that the they've it's basically been instilled in them to to value not having to think very much about it right right where it's just like laxatives i can do what i want uh, yeah, you know, so long as I post an in- Instagram picture of my Bible and my coffee every morning, you know, <laughs> like I, I don't know. That was that was probably that was probably a blow the belt hit. But next question, next question. I think we got time for one more, real quick. And this is not a quick question, but we'll just deal with it anyway. Ferenc Zindli, who is a Hungarian citizen, so he's right there in the thick of it yeah. in Eastern Europe. Uh, not in the thick of it, but near the thick of it. He says, if I were a Christian Russian soldier following orders, would it be a sin to attack Ukraine? Oh. Oh, so we're getting into just war theory and kingdom of the left, kingdom subsidiarity. Of the right. So, so here's, here's, I think one thing that we have to keep in mind is I don't know exactly what every soldier has been told they're doing. Right. So some of them, I'm sure, are convinced of Putin's propaganda that uh, the Ukrainian leadership is all um, effectively, I think he said something like drug addicted Nazis (laughs) or something of the sort. Um, and, And if you are legitimately convinced of that and what you're convinced you're doing is going in to defend other ethnic Russians, I think there's one level there and then it's another level entirely to be like oh yeah we're just going in to take over because we want this piece of land for ourselves for sure and and that's if it's the latter man i'd defect honestly like right you know that's very much not even there's no semblance of of defense of my country there right right like the the former I mean, you know, I, I, if you're told what you're told and that's what you believe. Right. You know, like, you know, these people are, are, you know, gearing up to attack us, you know, just so we better go in and, and stop them. Like, okay. You know, that, that right. makes sense. And, and this, this isn't to, uh, this isn't to defend Ukraine in and of itself. Like we get their tremendously corrupt government. They, they have mistreated ethnic Russians in the past. 
particularly in the eastern part of the country. But is it as bad as Putin alleges? Well, uh, obviously not. Um, and so, man, this is this is one of those uh, ethical. I always want to trip over ethnic and ethic. Yeah. But this is one of those where both apply. Sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's an ethnic concern and an ethical concern. Mm. Uh, but it, it's it's getting into the weeds, which we should do. Um, it, it, you need to think through things like just war theory, like go read some Augustine. Uh, you being Lutheran, you know, talking about two kingdoms, me being post-mill thinking a little more theonomically. Mm. Um, I think we would both actually end up with the same conclusions because we're trying to root our thoughts in scripture. Right. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. You take, you take two different routes with two different stances. You end up with the same conclusion. Yeah, a lot of no, times. No doubt. <sighs> you know, and, and of course, we need to, you know, we, we, we do need to point out that, that we don't, neither of us, you know, neither of us are veterans, right? Um, you are an admiral in the well, Navy of Nebraska, but active duty though. All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have, we have been blessed by security on our borders and that's not a, mm-hmm. that's not like a Southern border thing. I mean, like the whole border, uh, like we've been, we have not been invaded, right? You know, like with the exception of of the events of of 9/11 there really hasn't been uh, much of an external incursion uh, at all yep and so we miss a bit of the context here that that you know for for Ferenc is is incredibly real and, yeah absolutely and and not to not to borrow well actually is to directly borrow a Tom Clancy phrase but it is a clear and present danger uh and you know answering without the lens of that context you know we're just taking hip shots here Mm. but i mean i think your guidance is is right and that in that in general we need to be rooted in scripture and if our leaders incite us into a conflict that is in fact just then we follow the leaders yep yep good thoughts uh no we don't have time for another one sorry i was gonna get to two more but those are tough questions Mm -hmm. good questions that we should all think about so on that note thanks for listening to the Westminster Effect Soxology Podcast. Go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. We'll see you next week. Bye now.